One more word of thanks to uh, Tyler and Luke for reading this very fascinating passage of Scripture this morning. It's a story of not seeing and then seeing. This passage of Scripture tells us of a scared servant who has had and who has seen enough of famine and war. And now that the enemy armies have closed in on him and on his boss, Elisha, he knows that they are surrounded by a very strong military force. And this terrified servant cries out to Elisha in despair, What shall we do? He sees no way out of this dilemma, and he has no sight of God. Well, I remember uh, when I was a kid watching the original, yes, the original Star Trek series, um, and whenever James, Captain James T. Kirk was in trouble or in danger on a mysterious planet, it felt like all he ever had to say was, beam me up, Scotty. I was fascinated, just even as I thought of this as a kid, by a teleporter that could instantly remove you from all of your problems and troubles that you were experiencing and take you to a place of safety. And I also felt, as a kid, I felt like this is the kind of prayer that I wanted to pray. Whenever I could see troubles and I could find no way out of them, I would pray to God, God, beam me up. Beam me out of these problems. Take me up instantly into heaven so I can just get away from all the problems that there are here on earth. But I have since learned that Jesus did not teach the beam me up prayer. He taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The prayer is not get me out of here, but bring up down here. And use me as your servant in advancing your kingdom. I want to do your will in my church, Lord, my small group, my family, my neighborhood, and and even in my country. I want to do your will in this place so that your kingdom might be advanced as I act and live your kingdom citizen. The Bible is very clear that salvation belongs to our God. One day, God will complete his work, but not yet. So we wait, and we continue to pray that prayer, O God, your kingdom come here and now. Elisha simply prayed this prayer in 2 Kings 6, O Lord, Open his eyes so he may see. What was the result? The Lord opened the servant's eyes. He looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots, but not just normal horses and chariots. It was horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. God's reality is different from what this frightened servant saw. The lesson for Elisha's servant and for us is this. It's words from the New Testament. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, 
but on what is unseen. And this story in 2 Kings chapter 6 comes to a beautiful conclusion. In fact, there ends up being no war. Everyone just ends up going safely home, both armies. He sees a vast army of chariots and horses surrounding them, and he experiences a miraculous deliverance where everyone arrives safe at home. Isn't that a good conclusion to a war? But what do we do when we do not yet see the end of our story? What do we do when we don't see the final conclusion and we don't see all that God is going to do and we do not understand what He is doing? I want you to come with me. Come with me now as we reflect on three other passages of Scripture this morning that help us to reflect on what does it mean for us to see God right now? What does it mean for us to see God? And I'm going to look at a passage in Isaiah, and then Job, and then the Gospel of John. Okay, So come with me. The first one seems like a very strange verse for us to consider. If you have your Bibles, you might want to flip open or or turn on your phones and look to this very first verse. It's Isaiah 45, 15. It's this. Truly, you are a God who has been hiding himself. The God and Savior of Israel. Now, if you are going to share your Christian life with others, sooner or later, you're going to have to think for yourself and you're going to have to answer as you talk with others about the question, why does God not make himself more obvious in this situation that I'm in right now? Why doesn't God show himself more clearly? As you think of the story of creation, God created human beings, and then he gave them a job, and then he left them, and he gave some distance between them and himself. And then he would have patterns of coming back to walk with them in the garden, very Back at the very beginning, it seems as though the biblical story tells us that we were made for fellowship with God, but God also allows a certain degree of distance so that we could make choices for ourselves. See, God's not just trying to prove that he exists, but he is seeking a relationship with us. And that kind of relationship also includes a relationship of trust when one is a little more distant from the other. Dallas Willard writes this, If you're a parent, you have to face this with your children. If you had the power to completely control your children, I'm sure that you would decide you should not use that power most of the time. This is because you know that you would destroy your children if you controlled them on every single move and choice that they made. Children must choose. And to choose, they have to have some distance, some freedom. So why is God not more obvious? Willard comments, if God showed up in his full glory, we could just 
all kiss our free will goodbye and our ability to choose freely about what we're going to do next. Why does God seem hidden? Well, a part of the answer, I think in Isaiah 45.15, is a part of the answer to that question is that it's true that God hides himself. The God we worship is both hidden and revealed. That's the God we worship. Isaiah was aware of God's hiddenness, but he was convinced that God is almighty, God is gracious, and God is righteous. Isaiah 45 helps to give us a little bit more of a clue of who God is and how we can see him even in the midst of his hiddenness. Come with me though also to a passage in the book of Job. It's Job 23, and I'd like to read verses 8 to 10 as we think about seeing God once again. Job 23, verses 8 to 10, and here are the verses. But if I go to the east, he is not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Now, if you know even just a little about the book of Job, you're aware that Job comes to a place in his life where he has no understanding of what he is passing through and what God is doing. He can't easily see his way through his problems, although his friends seem to know all the the answers to the problems that he is experiencing. But Job, in his questioning, keeps talking and keeps reaching out to God in prayer. You know the book, The Screwtape Letters? It's a book of advice from a senior devil to a junior devil on how to keep a human from trusting God. The author writes this book from the tempter's point of view. So Screwtape writes, and here's the advice from the senior devil to the junior devil. You must have often wondered why the enemy, and in this book the enemy is God, Uh, you must wonder why the enemy does not make use of his power to be sensibly present to human souls in any degree he chooses and at any moment. He leaves the creatures to stand up on its own legs, to carry out from the will alone duties which have lost all relish. It's during such trough periods much more than peak periods, that it is growing into the sort of creature he wants it to be. Hence, the prayers that are offered in a state of dryness are those which please him best. Listen to this again. The prayers that are offered in a state of dryness are those that please him best. Do you believe that? If this is true... Prayers that trust God during the dry times of your life are more powerful 
and do something better than prayers of thanks in the good times. Can I learn to pray with trust that God is doing something good even when I do not see the good? So here in this passage, Job describes how his life is being tested. He knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Can you picture God testing your life? Testing your character? Your faithfulness and obedience? It seems as though Job seems to have that understanding of how he's being tested. Think of though uh, of gold. Gold is not typically found completely purified. The goldsmith has to put it in the fire. The goldsmith has to purify it and shape it into something beautiful. But pure gold is malleable and workable. So here's a question. Are you malleable and workable in the presence of your maker? Do you give way to his purifying work in your life? I've read that NASA coats the visors of spacesuits with gold to give protection from the rays of the sun. Gold is resistant to rust and tarnishing. Gold is is a precious metal for jewelry. And uh, just this last week, I read the value of gold. This week, the value of gold is 1000 $892.10 per ounce U.S. dollars. Peter writes in his short letter that your faith is worth much more than gold. And if that's true, don't you think that your faith is also going to need to be refined as through the fire? What matters more is not how things turn out but how you turn out. What matters more is not how things turn out, but how I turn out. Our character. How we are being shaped through these things. Job walks through an extended and difficult season where he does not see God. And while Job does not see God, he is convinced, he is absolutely convinced when you read that passage over, that God sees him and God knows every step that he takes and every move that he takes and he has the assurance that God is refining him and that he will come forth as gold. Job 23 helps us in terms of thinking about how we can see God today. But I want to take you to a New Testament passage as well. And it's in John 14. John 14, verses 8 to 9. Let's look now to these verses as we think of a conversation of Jesus with the disciples and then with Philip. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? 
Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So, Philip hears the majestic words of Jesus just prior to these verses that we have read are very popular verses of Jesus. Maybe many of you know them where Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then Philip doesn't understand though what Jesus is saying and he says, Lord, show us the Father. If you just show us the Father, then that's going to be enough for us. It's like Philip is saying, sure, we see you. We see your teaching. We hear your teaching. We've seen your miracles. But we want something more. And that's sometimes how it is for us. Lord, we see some good things that you're doing, but we want something more. We just want to see the Father. You show us that. We see the Father. Then all is going to be good. And do you sense Jesus' disappointment? Jesus says in verse 9, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been with you for such a long time? Here's the question Jesus is asking. Philip has lived life with Jesus for three years as one of his disciples. Philip was there at the feeding of the 5,000. He was the one who was calculating the cost of providing a meal for such a big crowd. And later when some Greeks wanted to meet and see Jesus, Philip was the one saying, I'm going to arrange the introductions. But now Jesus is asking Philip, have I been with you all this time and you're still not aware of what I'm doing? You still don't really see me? Will you take notice of what I'm trying to say to you? Jesus speaks to Philip but I believe he's also speaking to us. Is it possible that we may not really have an awareness of Jesus, even if we've heard the message before? By the way, Philip is not the only one who misunderstands. It's not like we can just point to that one disciple and say, oh, he's the one who's clued out. Thomas asks also in verse 4, how can we know the way? And later in the chapter, Uh, The other Judas, not Judas Iscariot, says, Why do you reveal yourself to us and not to the world? The group of disciples failed to understand and failed to see what Jesus was doing. They failed to notice God in front of them. The crowd misunderstood him. The disciples misunderstood him. And I know that I too have fit in this category where I do not understand and where I do not see. I heard the story of a pastor who taught his congregation this prayer. Here it is. Lord, show me what I'm missing. I like that prayer. There's a Christian writer from 400 years ago. His name was Blaise Pascal. And he said this, inattention is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life not paying attention to and not seeing what God is doing. To him, sin was anything that destroyed inattentiveness, just not being aware of where God is. For him, prayer is not just closing your eyes and listening and listing out your requests. 
But prayer is an awareness of what is going on in one's midst. That's why Jesus would often teach and use words like this. Are you listening? Are you really listening? Listen and understand. It's how he often began his parables and his teaching. It's like he's saying, I really want you to be clued in spiritually. One of my teachers in Bible college would say this. Can we see this through the eyes of faith? He calls us to notice what he is saying and where he is at work. And in Genesis 28, Jacob has a dream where he wakes up and says, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Noticing God is basic to the Christian life. Lord, show me what I am missing. So after Jesus asks this question to Philip, what does Jesus do? He patiently teaches his disciples once again using these words. Now think of this. Lord, where are you? I can't see you. And Jesus is saying this. Don't you know anyone who has seen me has seen the Father? If we look at Jesus, we actually see God. In Jesus, we see God loving us. In Jesus, we see God serving us. In Jesus, we see God pouring out his life for us. And in a moment, we're going to have the opportunity to share that as we gather around the communion table with each other. When we read the story of Jesus, we are noticing God. And I believe that we can also say these words for us as readers of the scriptures. The person who has read me has read the Father. There may be times in your life where you feel like saying to God, show me more. And Jesus seems to say, what you see now is sufficient. Will you trust me? It may not look like or feel like enough, but I want you to know more than anything else that you are embraced in my presence. Will you live today with this full awareness that I am with you? Why does God hide himself? God hides himself because he is God. Because he is holy. God hides himself because if he showed up in all his glory, maybe we just couldn't handle it right now. God hides himself because he is God. And God reveals himself because he is love. And this is what we read clearly in the new words of the New Testament. Today we have this remarkable privilege of seeing just a little bit more of God. We may say, oh Lord, show me more. Show me more of yourself. And that's an okay prayer. Lord, show me what I am missing. But God has revealed himself. And this is enough today that we can trust him. Today we worship 
the God who opens the eyes of our heart so that we may see through the eyes of faith. And we can pray every day this prayer from Psalm 119. Lord, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. You join together with me in prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that that you do not leave us when we ask hard questions. We thank you that you are good. And we thank you that you are still ready to be the one who speaks to us and reveals himself to us. Lord, come in these moments and touch our hearts in a way that we cannot pre-program in any way. For each person who is hearing today, O Lord, I pray that we might draw more closely to you, hearing your voice and seeing you in your glory. We pray that each day that you would help us to see what we are missing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.